Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, Chris Evans here, your friendly neighborhood presenter. Welcome to the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up, superstar sports presenter Gabby Logan explains why midlife doesn't have to be a crisis with series two of a phenomenal podcast, The Midpoint. It's really, really good. Uh, the soulful tones of British singer-songwriter Rag and Bowman runs us through his hotly anticipated upcoming album, Life by Misadventure. Ravishing and rising star Raph Law leaves us wanting more with his leading role in Twist, Sky Cinema's modern-day adaptation of the Dickensian classic Oliver Twist, and American psychologist Ethan Cross gets us listening to the voices in our heads with snippets of his new book, Chatter. All of that and loads more still to come, but Dapper Dave, who is first? From a fantastic gymnast to one of the finest sports presenters in the country, our next guest can do it all. Series two of her fantastic podcast, The Midpoint, is back. And here to explain why midlife shouldn't cause you mid-strife is the always excellent Gabby Logan. <laughs> all right, Gabby. Good morning. Can I borrow that? I yeah. like that. Midlife, mid-strife. Very yeah, good. Dave is available for hire. He's a, he's a voiceover gun for <laughs> hire. Very reasonable rates. Good mates rates as well, Gabby. You're definitely a mate. No, no question. <laughs> Congratulations on this podcast. It's a fantastic listen, Gabby. Well done. Oh, very much, Chris. It's, yeah, completely it's... self-serving, obviously, because it's targeted <laughs> at me. <laughs> but all the best, all the best podcasts are. They're all, you know, and some have been going for years. You know, Joe Joe Rogan wanted to start getting things off his chest thirteen years ago. One point two billion uh, listens a month later. Uh, he's doing the same. Tim Tim Ferriss going through some kind of sort of pre-midlife crisis. Um, Rich Rold <laughs> identifying himself with running, escaping from what he's been, he's like five hundred eps in now. All the best podcasts are very autobiographical, so there's nothing wrong with that season one midpoint john bishop claudia winkleman michael johnson Catelyn moran andrew cotter denise lewis richard osmond marilla fosterop and you kicked off season two last week with piers morgan tell us how he was for you um interesting i mean he's you know you, you, if you know his broadcasting style a lot of people do he he tends to be quite um he, he likes a monologue doesn't he and yeah. then some people get in occasionally and actually on the podcast, it's interesting because we do it on Zoom because of current situation. And um, he did take my cues. I was kind of like trying to raise my eyebrows, saying, I'm coming in now. <laughs> I'm going to ask you another question. So he was more conversational than I expected him to be. And he was really interested in the physical side of this period of his life, much more than I thought he would be. You know, there was a hint of vanity there. You know, he said, I think I'm 30. And then I look in the mirror and I'm not. And and inside, he's got all the ambition and all the determination and drive that he ever had. He did say a couple of things that I, I was slightly, I'm not sure I agree with, that he feels that if you're at ease with yourself, which is one of, presumably one of the main aims as we get older, that we do start to become more at ease with ourselves, I thought. And he said, no, if you're at ease with yourself, then you won't achieve. But I think you can have a balance. I hope you can. It's funny you should say that because as, as he, you and he were talking, he, the phrase he actually used was at peace with myself. Um, and he said, no, I don't want to be at peace with myself. And he interrupted you to make the point before you'd even asked, yeah. him, the, asked him the question, which I thought was really interesting. Because he said, you know, if I'm at peace with myself, you know, I, I will no longer be challenged. And I thought, hang on a minute, Piers, you can be at peace with yourself and still be challenged by the world every day. And that's an entirely different take on it. And I thought it was quite interesting. And it's one of those things, Gabby, you know, 
you listen back to your various podcasts and you think, oh, I, you know, if I could go again. Because if, yeah. if he comes on our show, I'm going to ask him that if, on your behalf, if that's OK. Cause you... Yeah, well, I, I realised that straight away when I listened back, Chris, and I put it on my social media and I said, do we agree? Because I kind of was basically saying I don't. And I, I hadn't said that to him at the time. Because also he was very much in the moment. And he, he t- I said, you hear him tell the anecdote about an old editor of his who poured coffee on his leg, hot yeah. coffee on his leg. Crazy. To make himself I, know. More angry. I know, I know, I know. Which... <laughs> and he seemed to admire that. <laughs> No, he's, he's a very interesting character, of course he is. But, you know, he had some wonderful points. And you were talking to him about, you know, when you were an elite athlete, um, an elite gymnast, and then you were talking about getting older. And then you are talking about, you know, your job as a broadcaster and you started interviewing footballers who could have been your older brother. And then, of course, the evolution of that relationship is is what? Take us through that timeline. Yeah, so suddenly, um, you know, when you're researching, you notice dates of people's, you know, you go, oh, he's 22, he's 23. When I was 23, 24, they were 20, 21, 22. Suddenly, they're my kids you know they're the same birthday nearly as my children and so then you start to feel a little bit or think maybe about your relevance to them you know do they I mean it doesn't matter that they have no idea you know whether I've been doing this for two minutes or 22 years yeah. but um and I think that's in the mind I don't think they care but obviously you you start to feel am I relevant and I've got 15 year old twins so I sometimes you know use them as a kind of conduit as a prism to see you know what young people are thinking and what they're doing because you don't want to be a dinosaur do you you want to kind of keep up with what's going on but at the same time i am 47 i'm not going to pretend to yeah. be 25 and i don't want to be 25 again chris that's no, the midpoint i think I see so i'm a little bit older than you and i one of the traps i fell into was that you know sort of um uh dinosaur paranoia uh Dinoroya, if you want to, or Dinoroya, if you want to call it that. But, but it sounds that, like something to unblock your toilets, but yes. But that's really annoying to older people because they go, but you're only 47, but you're only 54. Yeah. You know, and we're, you know, if, we, if you could be worried about being a dinosaur as a grown-up, we're still way ahead of that. So we're having, a, we're having a pre-something-else crisis during our midlife crisis. I wrote a book once called Call the Midlife, and I opened it up uh, rather grandiosely by saying, you know, I, I, went for, I got ahead of my midlife crisis. I had mine early, because I, yeah. I thought I had. And so I said, so therefore it gives me a perspective and a distance that I can write this book and investigate things on your behalf, because I'm not in the middle of them, you know, totally oh, yeah. del- self-delusional. And Because <laughs> you, you can't, you can't. You can't bring your midlife crisis forward and you can't really put it back. It happens when it happens. So you are now becoming the guru, the go-to guru for this because you're bringing podcast midpoint. So have you seen any sort of um, any patterns that, that differentiate theme, a woman's midlife crisis or, you know, uh, fr- well, from a man's? physical because um, the physical side of getting the, into this period of life for a woman is called the menopause. And and you can't deny it. You know what I mean? And it's, it's one of those medical things that it happens around 51 for most people, which I find fascinating that there is literally a definite age. You know, yeah. by 51, this will have happened. And so um, for women, it's much quicker that the hormones all drop off. For men, it's a much slower process. Men can keep having babies into their 80s, can't they? You know, so um, men do have physical manifestations of midlife, but they're much slower, you know, to, to evolve. So for women, there's like 35 different symptoms that can possibly be there. So we explore that in various ways with, you know, various experts. But I, the reason I chose to kind of have men and women on this and not just turn it into a menopause podcast is because for me, it's about a lot more than that. And it's about us all working together anyway. If you're married to a woman, you surely want to know what's going on. If you're married to a, a man, you, you, know, you want to know what's going on. Or if you're working with men and women, you want to know what's happening with them in this period. In the same way that I like knowing what's going on in my teenagers' brains, you know, because teenage brains are very different to, to adult brains. So 
I read about that. So it's it's a really fascinating kind of period of life in terms of the physical development, but also the emotional and, you know, your your perspective on life. So there's a lot going on. And you called it midpoint, which is great, as opposed to midlife crisis, because, of course, you know, in the Orient, the, the, the same word for crisis um, means opportunity, and it is an opportunity. And also, we bracket it as like, you know, three to four years. It's about, it lasts about 15 to 20 years, would you say, Gabs? Yeah. I don't even want to put an upper end on it. <laughs> well, no, because that'd be the end of your podcast for a start. Jeez. All those lovely well, sponsors to look forward to. Uh, Gabby, well done. It's brilliant. Awesome work. Thank you, Chris. Well Great done. to speak to you all. Great to speak to you. Take care. Bye. Gabby Logan, The Midpoint Series 2. Uh, it's a podcast. It's a great podcast from wherever you get yours. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. A start in drum and bass, a stop off in hip-hop with a right turn into blues is the journey our next guest took to stardom. His new album, Life by Misadventure, is out soon with the new single, All You Ever Wanted, out today. So, ladies and gentlemen, he's on the phone. He's a baritone. He's the one and only (laughs) Rag and Bone Man. All right, Rory. Good morning. Good morning. Well, first of all, congratulations on the new single. We haven't heard the album, but we love the new single, and it took us by surprise. Is that what you intended? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much, man. I'm glad you like it. Yeah, we liked it a lot. We've played it once already. We're going to play it again in a bit. Tell us about your experience in Nashville recording the new album just about prior to lockdown. Oh, man, it was it was, uh, it was was a little bit stressful, to be honest, because we, we went out there with three weeks to, to record the album. All, all the material was written beforehand, but um, we got there and were told that we had to stay in the house for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then... You know, subsequently, I had like probably six days to record fifteen tracks in. So uh, we we just you know decided to get in early in the morning and, and come out late at night and uh, managed to smash it out just by the skin of our teeth. So the track we've heard is very different. Uh, can I would I be right in presuming uh, presumption or always a dangerous thing? Well, usually anyhow, the the whole uh, the the rest of the album is is as different as the single is from the first um, presentation. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's- it's all very different, but um, there is a much more of a kind of rock and roll element to this album. All right, now, because um, that's conscious, right? You know, I think I know why, but when did you make a decision? Because it's a big decision to make, because people love what you do. They, they already, yeah. You know they love what you've done in the past, and change can, change can be great. Yeah. I think it's great, but it can also be quite dangerous. It can, and it's a bit scary, but someone, when I very first um, started off in the music industry, someone whose advice I take you know, quite seriously, it was 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 like uh, the thing about your voice is you can do it over anything. Yeah, and I've kind of taken that on board, and I was I, I really wanted to do something different, and it and it felt such a a natural progression to go into something a bit more organic and a bit more live sounding. Um, wanted people to feel like they were in the room with us when we were playing it, so. Um, you know, that's why we recorded the whole thing live in the studio together. All right, and because your debut um, um, Grammy award-winning, everything award-winning um, album um, was so successful, you know, th- we're three years on here now. How how yeah. how amazing, how celebratory was that afterglow? You know, h- how how much chance did you get to enjoy it before thinking about the next thing? You don't really. I mean, you know, it was a beautiful thing at the time, but it's like a really fast-running train and get time to get off it and then and then once it's over you come back home and you're you're not on tour anymore and it's um <laughs> and you get to think a little bit about it but then you know i got i, I got snapped back to reality because I, when i came off tour i had a very young child at home so you i did. had to go home and be daddy's like you're not a superstar anymore you just got us change nappies but that's a very handy thing to have in your locker isn't it that grounding 
Yes, great, man. It really is great. So when, when did the muse creep back into your, to your heart then, into your mind? When did you I, think, um, I think I started to write songs when I was on tour and um, and I, I, I basically commandeered my keys player from my band and we started writing songs together and realised that it was a good partnership. So I, I just sort of said, well, look, you've you, you got to be with me throughout the whole process. So we did everything together, went, went everywhere together, went to Nashville, wrote songs and uh, it just... Uh, I, I just did, I didn't really have that much of an issue with inspiration for this album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of came very, very, very naturally. And how different is it this time around to first time around? I feel a bit more relaxed about it all, to be honest. Do you? Well, I feel more relaxed, and, and I'm and I'm not I'm not really worried. Like you know, music isn't the cure for cancer. It, 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 people either like it or they don't, and they're subjective. And and I, and I really like what I've done. I'm really proud of this album that I've made, and I really hope that people like it. Well, you, you, say, know, but, you say it's not a cure for cancer, but music can save lives, can't it? I mean, it, yeah. and it has over the years saved millions and millions of lives. So it's extraordinarily yeah. important, and it can change your mood, can't it? And that's that that yeah. can be the most important thing of all. Yeah, I think music's a healing for a lot of people at the moment. Definitely, they can't can't leave the house and stuff. Right? How busy are you this time around in promo? It's very very different because <laughs> I, I I kind of enjoy I enjoy the buzz of going around to radios and seeing people. Um, uh, so it's really different. Doing everything from my studio at home is uh, is is kind of strange. Right. But, um, okay. You know, it's, it's still it's still nice to talk to people, just not face to face. Right, life by misadventure is the title of the album. I know yeah. you've got to go in a second or two. What, what, right. what, what does that mean to you? That phrase with regards to to this new th- this new collection of songs, life by misadventure. What are you telling us, yeah. Rory? I mean, I had a pretty uh, <laughs> a pretty hairy upbringing. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I went. I went pretty crazy as a teenager, fairly crazy as in my sort of mid twenties, and then so so this is kind of like a, a past, present, and future, and a lot of it's about sort of realizing that I've got to grow up a little bit and I've got to be responsible because I am responsible for another human being now, yeah. and um, and uh, yeah, it's, and, and some of it's a little bit like uh, slightly worried and about the, the sort of world that my son's going to grow up in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it sort of covers a lot of stuff, but it was, it was. I really wanted it to tell a bit of a, a life story, almost. All right. Well, happy birthday! How are you going to celebrate? Um, well, I think I'm going to probably wait till lunchtime and have a glass of wine. Good for you. Um, what kind of wine yeah. do you like? I like Rioja very much. <laughs> you know, I thought you were going to say that. I don't know why. I nearly, yeah. I nearly said Rioja. I don't know. I just felt well, it. Got, I felt I, it in the air. I, I, Nice Melbeck I've been saving for a while, so I'm going to have that for lunch. All right, Paul. Well, happy birthday to you. Thanks for your music and come and see us whenever you can, as soon as you oh, can. Thank you so much, Chris. You're very welcome. Rag and bow, man. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. If you love a reimagining of an age-old classic, then stay where you are and look no further. The new Sky original movie, Twist, is available on Sky Cinema from this Friday and here to tell us why we'll all be left wanting more... It's not any old Riff Raff. Oh, no, it's Raff Law. Good morning, Raff. Good morning, Chris. How are you doing? I'm very well. Welcome to the show. Um, I said to my colleagues here last week when I heard you were coming on today, and by the way, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I said, I think we've done Raff before. This is No, you're going mad. Uh, but I remembered this morning, of course, we met at the Sky Launch last year, but which wasn't on the radio, but we did meet, didn't we? We talked about this. Yeah, yeah, we did this... Um... 
uh, it, was, it was about this time last year, maybe slightly earlier. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, we met and I got to speak about kind of that was the first opportunity I got to speak about Twist, and it was yeah, it was a really great, great night. Well, sure. listen, now we've all seen it, and people can see it live and exclusive on Sky from Friday. Just tell everybody um, how it may not be at all what they perhaps are imagining. Yeah, so I mean, it's a real reimagination of the original. Obviously, um, it, it has a lot of. Um, kind of original hints back to the Charles Dickens book that all the characters have kind of the same names and the same kind of personalities but the real the real storyline there and the kind of the world that we meet Oliver and the gang in is completely reimagined it shows a lot of modern day skylines and graffiti brickwork of London uh, and East London that is today and it kind of you find twist as a uh, a lost orphan boy who doesn't really have any friends. Uh, he's really shy. Um, and then his kind of, um, his skills climbing and, and running and how fast he is gets the notice of Dodge and Batesy, who are part of Fagan's kind of thieving crew. Um, and they kind of use his love for, his want for love and want for a family um, against him and get him to join the crew and kind of get involved in this art heist. It's full of loads of action. Um, it's got a bit of romance. Yeah, and it's just, it's a real good family film for people right now who maybe are at home and, and have uh, have run out of things to watch and want to watch something <laughs> that will kind of keep them keep them upbeat. I think it's perfect. Well, it's really cool. It's a really cool uh, production, if I can say that as a 54-year-old. I loved it. And, you know, it's not, it's, it's we must say, we must scream this from, literally from the rooftops, because we can here at the top of the tower. It's a, cont- it's a contemporary take on it. So it's now, isn't it? You, you know, Twist, Oliver Twist is now. He's a, he's a 17, 18-year-old now. He's, he, he's parkour. Um, uh, Michael Caine is a modern-day Fagin. He's a modern-day businessman. you got Rita Ora in there. Uh, Twist, he loves a bit of bank. See street art. You got all that going on. It is. It is. It is absolutely now, if not in the near future. Exactly, and I think that's something that really um, kind of drew me towards the script when I first read it and and was auditioning. Was that um, obviously I grew up singing the Oliver Twist songs <laughs> and and I read the book um, with my parents when I was younger as well. But when I got this script, I think it really excited me that it had obviously the um, elements and nods towards the to the to the classic story, but at the same time, I felt like it kind of stood on its own two feet because it was that contemporary take and, and it was really relatable for people living in London right now. And, and like you said, it could almost be in, its, uh, in, in, in the future. I think it's kind of its own uh, world, which is really exciting. And I think the, uh, the costumes really pop and um, play a great, a great part in what is a really like aesthetically pleasing piece. Did you get to spray any walls for real? I did. I did. I got to do a bit of graffiti. I did some parkour training to try and do a lot of the stunts. Um, and it being my first feature, I was, I really wanted to do as much as possible and kind of learn, learn as much as possible. So I did a lot, like I said, I did a lot of parkour training to try and do a lot of the stunts. I got to do some graffiti um, and just working on the production with what was such a um, strong and, and um, amazing cast and also just a really great production. I got on so well with everyone. I was just really um, good for you, grateful Ref. to be a part of it. Well, good for you. That's a really nice nice take to hear on it. Now, y- your mum and dad, uh, they know a thing or two about this profession. Um, do, <laughs> do you go to them? Do, do you ask, uh, seek their advice? Do they, do they offer it up? Do they try and sort of steer clear? What's the relationship between you and them professionally? Uh, I mean, professionally, I think 
I've, I've always been really, really close with my parents as my parents. And the older I've got, they've become really good friends as well. Uh, and they're just really um, supportive of kind of whatever I've always wanted to do. As long as I get my head down and really um, commit to something, they'll always support me. Um, and I think I, I go to my parents for advice, just like most people would. Um, and it's kind of more nerves advice or um, advice on how to be very small small detail i mean before before the film i was i started getting a little bit more nervous i think i was really um flooding my time with prep for the role and training and just trying to keep myself busy and, and focused and then a couple of days before i think i was watching uh, batman at my flat and and michael came on tv and it really hit me <laughs> that i was like okay in a few days i'm gonna be I know. um By the i'm way. working opposite michael kane and and as and i think I've always been someone that I, I think um, excited nerves is something really, really positive. And I think if you know how to use those in a positive way, it can, you can really get the most out of your performance or whatever it is you're putting your, your mind to. So I had a chat with my parents and I just kind of said, oh, like this is really happening. And they both just made me feel really calm about it and said, look, put in all the prep now. Just make sure when you get there, you, you feel comfortable, you feel confident, you... you um, keep the kind of positivity and the upbeatness on set and just get to know everyone and you'll have a great time. And, that, and I really tried to stick to that. And I had, I did have a great time. And I think being a part of a big production like that is, is so much fun because you get to meet so many different types of people with different skill sets. Um, and everyone's there kind of for different reasons, but for the same reason. Are you going to have a party on Friday? You know, obviously COVID compliant. Are you going to watch this? Uh, have you watched it enough times now that um, you're done? Um, no, I'm definitely going to watch it. I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm living with my flatmate currently and he hasn't seen it. So I think me and him will probably... Couple of beers. Get some, get some takeaway <laughs> and yeah, slap it, on, slap it on the skybox. Well, listen, congratulations. Well done. Thank you very much. Thank you're, you so much. You're very welcome. Twist available this Friday, Sky Cinema. He's nice, isn't he? Raph Law, we like him. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So we've heard from three tip-top guests already, but there's still so much more to come. Founder of Charity 52 Lives, Jamie Thurston, shares the inspirations behind her new interactive book, The Kindness Journal. Leading multi-sensory expert Charles Spence talks total sense from his new book, Sense Hacking, How to Use the Power of Your Senses for Happier, Healthier Living. Marathon Marvel, Eddie Izzard, tells us about approaching the finish line of her incredible A Run for Hope challenge and inspiring head teacher. Mrs. Sarah White explains how her supportive letter to homeschooling parents took the internet and us by storm. The most important interview of the week on our radio show. All of that and more still to come. So let's get right back to these guys. 
Dapper Dave, give him the big intro. Our next guest knows the true power of having a word with yourself. His incredible debut book, Chatter, The Voice in Our Head and How to Harness It, is out today. So open your minds as we have a natter about chatter that matters with the brilliant Ethan Cross. All right, Ethan, live in Michigan. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Chris. <laughs> How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for staying up so late to talk to us. I really appreciate it. <laughs> uh, my pleasure. Happy to be here. All right, let's crack right on. You're very clever. This is a brilliant book. First of all, Doc, what's the difference between talking to ourselves in our heads, self-talk, if you like, and thinking? Well, we can we can think both verbally but also in words. And so, uh, I'm sorry, that's, uh, that's the early morning. <laughs> we can think in words or in images, right? So I can ask you to imagine your last beach vacation and see yourself uh, you know, drinking a pina colada, uh, sitting, lying in a hammock, right? Yeah. So we could think in words or images mm-hmm. and, and talking to ourselves, um, taps into the verbal side of life, which we spend a lot of time engaged in. So when we're talking to ourselves, the self-talk, that is not thinking, that is something entirely different. So what, what purpose is that serving? Where does it come from? Why do we talk to ourselves more as we get older? We give it a rest as teenagers, but we begin talking out loud when we're toddlers. Well, um, you know, so we talk to ourselves to do lots of different things. And um, uh, self-talk is, I, I like to think about it as, as almost like a Swiss army knife of the mind, right? You can do re- repeating a, a nugget of information in your head. If I want to memorize a phone number, I'm talking to myself, right? Re- repeat a number silently in your head. And that's probably the most basic function it serves. But then it does a lot of other things. We use it to control ourselves, Um in fact, this is, according to some, children first learn self-control by coaching themselves through a problem out loud. So uh, I know there are a couple of you in the studio. Have you ever had the experience of seeing a kid on their own in the corners doing some, having like a conversation with himself? Yep. Oh, <laughs> Johnny shouldn't do this. Johnny should do that. That's a bad. So what they're, what they're essentially doing is they're, they're modeling what their caretakers do for them. We give our kids instructions. We tell them what to do, what not to do. And and that's how they learn self-control. And then they're practicing out loud. And eventually, that voice gets internalized. It goes inside. Hmm. But we continue to have those conversations with ourselves later on throughout our lives. So, you know, right before a um, a difficult task or performance, I'll, I'll give myself instructions silently. Uh, Come on, Ethan, you could do this, something like that. So, um, so, the, so, so we talked to ourselves for a few different reasons. We also talked to ourselves to, to simulate what we're going to do or say. Um, some people report, for example, uh, rehearsing in their head how they're going to talk to someone before having an interview. And so that's another instance of self-talk helping you out. All right, so self-talk at its worst and what we can do about it, first of all, please. Okay, so... Um, Self-talk can be great, as we've just described, but it can also be really bad. And when it's bad, that's what I call chatter. Uh, chatter is what happens when we, we turn our attention inward to solve our problems. So we've got this amazing tool, this, this inner voice, and we, we go to it when we're struggling only to find that we go inside, but we end up ruminating, worrying, and catastrophizing instead. And that's what I call chatter, those negative, negative thought loops. The good news is, is that we have evolved to possess tools to manage these internal conversations. Um, and there are things you could do on your own. There are ways of harnessing your relationships with other people and, and also ways of, of um, interacting with the world around us 
that can be helpful. So, so I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, wh- one of the things we know is that we are much better at advising other people than we are following that advice ourselves. Has that ever does that ring true to you, well, Chris, I've, or anyone else? I've there? read I've read your book, Ethan. I'm this is so what Ethan's about to describe is so useful, um, and I started using it last night, and it's already changed my life. Go ahead. So, so this phenomenon has a name, by the way. It's called Solomon's paradox. It's named after the Bible's King Solomon, who was famously adept at doling out advice but not following it. Um, <clears throat> he got into a lot of trouble with many concubines, which which. Uh, seems, at least by reports, to have led to his kingdom's demise. So here's what we've learned. There are things that we can do to think about our own problems as though they were happening to someone else, and language can be really a helpful tool for this. And so one thing you could do is you could try to coach yourself through a problem like you were talking to someone else and actually use your name when you do it. So, Ethan... Come on, how are we going to deal with this situation? We call that distant self-talk. There's an important caveat I feel compelled to share with listeners, which is if you use distant self-talk, do it silently, not out loud while you're roaming the streets of London or anywhere else. Um, <clears throat> not that we're roaming anywhere nowadays. But, but what this does is this gives us perspective, right? It, it allows us to, to give the advice that is often so easy for us to, to to dole out to others that we often um, have trouble doing for ourselves. Uh, Ethan, we're running out of time, and thank you for staying up so late. But a quick question from a listener here, Tony in Hampstead. Why do we rehearse unhappiness? Why do we fall into the habit of rehearsing unhappiness and other things that are bad for us? Why do we do that? Ah, great question. It's because it's logical to the extent that we are trying we we all are trying to make sense of these problems mm. but when you inject emotion into the equation we lose control over the mind to some degree so we're initially engaging in a very adaptive response let's zoom in to problem solve but then we get fixated we get stuck and 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 the good news is that we as human beings we have tools we've evolved tools to help us break <laughs> out of that situation. We just need to know what the tools are and how to use them. And there, I think, science is beginning to pave the way. Ethan, I could talk to you all morning. I read your book yesterday. I couldn't put it down. It's it's right up there. I have a top 30 shelf in my in my house. It's only 30 books allowed. It's in there now. It's in with a bullet in the top 10 probably, and it's going to stay there for years. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Chris. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant book. It's called Chatter, The Voice in Our Head and How to Harness It. That man's name is Ethan Cross. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Can a room smell bigger? Can grunting help your tennis game? What colour should your house be if you want to sell it? If you need answers, then our next guest is for you. His new book, Sense Hacking, is out now. And here to tell us more is a man we can't touch, taste or smell. But look here. It's the incredible Charles Spence. All right, Charles. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. All right. So, Charles, just um, give people a cheat sheet on your qualifications so they can take what you're about to say seriously and input it into their lives usefully. <laughs> uh, so, I am a professor of experimental psychology at Oxford University. He's uh, spent the last quarter of a century thinking about the senses <laughs> and how they can be used to help us live a happier, healthier and more productive lives. Right, and lots of fun facts in this book. How come watching Downton Abbey can make our wine taste nicer? <laughs> uh, this is a simple sense hack, this one. Um, but what we hear, music, is a very effective way of changing what we think. 
uh, what we feel, what we taste. And uh, if we watch something like Downton Abbey or we listen to classical music, that tends to prime ideas around class and quality and expense. Uh, and what we think about the music or the TV show then turns out to carry over to what we say about the sherry or the wine. Right. You have a, you have many revelations. And I've, I read books like this for a living, like yours for a living. And most of them are brilliant, by the way, Charles. <laughs> and yours is right up there with the best of the best. Uh, but you have a brand new sleep hack. I've never heard this one before. And I've read everything to do with sleep. Sleep. January's our Get Better at Sleep Month, How to Master Sleep. And you're telling me now that warm feet promote the rapid onset of sleep. <laughs> That's right. Um... Our body temperature it's kind of a, plays a key role in determining when we fall off and when we don't. Um, and many of us, especially under lockdown, are kind of suffering with uh, not being able to get enough sleep. Uh, and if we don't get enough sleep, that's one of the major causes of ill health and early death. So anything we can do to sense hack our sleep has got to be a good thing. And that could be everything from using ambient scent like lavender to help improve the quality of our sleep or warming up our feet. So if you've got a hot water bottle, in a cold winter night like we have at the moment, uh, then probably better to put it by your feet than by your stomach because the more you can get the, the blood flowing out to your extremities, like your hands and your feet, uh, the sooner your core body temperature will drop and your brain will decide it's time to not off. See, I, did, I didn't know that. I tried it last night after reading your book because I always thought I, thought I also had my feet stuck out on purpose because I just thought that would help. But of course, core temperature-wise, it'd go the wrong way. So thank you for that. NASA also have a little sleep hack. Tell us about the bedside plant. That's right. So um, we, most of us spend about 95% of our lives indoors, uh, the indoor environment, and that can be the atmosphere, the air, um, and all those sort of volatile organic chemicals and compounds that can build up in not well-ventilated um, rooms can be bad for our health. They can cause what's called sick home syndrome. Um, and so there's a lot of interest in trying to use nature, bring plants into the home in order both to help uh, purify the air. Uh, and that was the sort of purpose of some of the NASA research. Think about how to purify air in space, say, <laughs> through the use of uh, plants. Arisha palms are amongst the best in clearing the air. And of course, at the same time, by bringing plants into the home, that's going to trigger also the nature effect. It's kind of powerful benefit on on our um, on our sense of well-being, our relaxation, our attention that we get from being out in nature. We can get a little bit of that nature effect by bringing nature into the home yeah. with a potted plant, be it real or even plastic. Two more questions uh, before we let you go over there in Bogota, in Colombia. You lucky devil on your sabbatical. Um, the <laughs> cover of your book is particularly alluring. It's 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 beautifully um, coloured, it's fantastically laid out. Obviously, you would have to have a very attractive um, cover to your book, otherwise it would be a terrible advert for what's inside it. How did you decide? <laughs> well, you know, if, 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 if we've done the whole way, then I'd love to have a bit of a fragrance in there too. Because, uh, you know, one of, one of my um, favourite books from my, child, from my childhood, from the, from the, uh, in the 1970s, uh, was actually one of the first scratch-and-sniff cartoon books uh, my parents got me, and even today, I have it 50 years later, uh, you can still scratch it, you can still sniff it, and that fragrance is really um, <laughs> important. And so I think, you know, books are amongst the most multi-sensory of objects. You might think it's just about what the words say and what the story is about, and yet, uh, you know, all these promises that would all be on e-readers uh, haven't come to pass, and in fact, we're seeing you know, more people going back to or appreciating the feel, the weight, the texture uh, even the sound of the pages of uh, the, a book. The security so you of a book. You get all those things right. You you feel, even something as simple as uh, uh, 
putting your story, your book in a, in a, in a heavier paper and a heavier book, that will immediately make people think, think you're more believable. Yeah. The book is better quality. And you've Something gone, as simple as the weight. You've gone for a sort of celestial sunset kind of sky vibe, haven't you? Yeah, oh, these are, I mean, you have to say these are sort of you know, happier colours. Uh, the yellow of the sun, um, perhaps an alerting, awaking, maybe that's really important in our, in, in our evolutionary past. We've got a bit of pink in there, and pink is kind of the colour that we associate with, well, with skin tones, or fleshy tones on the, on the one hand, but also with sweet taste, kind of the most preferred taste we tend to think of as pink because colours have taste as well as uh, uh, sounds and smells, and a little bit of blue there, hinting at kind of the nature effect and the beneficial effects of, of, of being near water or of hearing water or of being near the sea. Again, the research showing that simply getting out into nature has this you know, profound effect. We don't realise how much better we're going to feel when we are surrounded by the blues and the greens of nature. Um, and yet it's, it's there, the evidence is there for all to see, and uh, in the book to hopefully encourage more of us <laughs> to get out to hack our senses with all the nature right. effect and uh, live happier, healthier, more wholesome lives, especially when that's what we, I think what we really need at this time, especially you know, during the, the latest lockdown, we're spending so much of our time indoors, we're so uncertain, we're so stressed, and every little thing we can do to hack our homes in order to improve our life, be it the shape of the table, be it the fragrance, uh, that we have in the home. Uh, these are all tips I think that any one of us all use right. should use. Got it, Charles. Uh, hack your shack. Do it today via Charles Spence book, Sensacking How to Use the Power of Your Senses for a Happier, Healthier Living. And that is Charles live from Bogota in Colombia. Right, we've got to go. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Now more than ever, a little bit of kindness goes an awfully long way and our next guest knows exactly why. Her new book, The Kindness Journal, Little Activities to Make a Big Difference is out now and here to explain how mindfulness leads to kindfulness is the beacon of light that is Jamie Thurston. Nice intro, Dave. Hello, Jamie. Hello. How are you? I'm very well. Do you know what? I was a bit nervous, but that intro has just perked me right up. Thank you. Why were you nervous? It's only us. Oh, my goodness. Do you know what, Chris? My husband and I, we wake up to your show every morning. We're such big fans. Honestly? Um, Yeah, honestly. And so when I found out that I was coming on, you know, I felt more nervous than any other interview I've done. I don't know why. You're lovely. I don't know why I've been nervous. I was going to say, because you've done loads. We saw you on Breakfast Telly the other day. Very good, by the way. Congratulations. Well done. Thank you. How do you you find it's best to to sell this book? Because... Um, we've all had it over the weekend. It's the kind of book, there's no downside to this book at all. The Kindness Journal, Little Activities to Make a Big uh, Difference. Um, how, how can we go about talking about it to kick off, do you think? Well, do you know what? The reason I wrote the book, I wrote it during the first lockdown, is because I wanted to give people really simple ways to incorporate more kindness into their life. Mm. But also just some space to reflect on on the stuff that really matters, you know, love and human connection and kindness, which is with everything that's going on in the world at the moment, it's just really needed. It's so easy to focus on all the bad stuff. So I wanted to give people a bit of space to think to think about the good stuff and also to help people realise the link between kindness and our well-being. Yeah, and you have a section here, Corona Kindness. Uh, be nice to yourself. It's hard to be happy when someone is mean to you all the time. You know, it's, it's very important to consider the company you keep and the environment within which you keep it, isn't it? Absolutely, and I think that goes for, you know, the way that we treat ourselves. I think, you know, I've I've definitely had times during this lockdown where we're kind of trying to juggle, you know, children and schooling and work and and life um, I've definitely had times where I've where I've given myself quite a hard time, I think, and I've 
you know, felt like I'm either neglecting the kids or neglecting work. Um, and I think we just need to give ourselves a break. <laughs> we need yeah, to and stop beating ourselves up. And the thing about it is, because it's a journal, well, it's a semi-journal, isn't it? It's a guided journal, like you'd have a guided meditation almost, which I think yeah. is really, really helpful. If you st- if you think, if you buy the pad or you're given a little you notebook, a notebook for Christmas, as I was, I'm given a couple, people always get me notebooks, which I love. You know, you have it by your bed and then you get a nice pen. But it's a whole different, that's a whole different ballgame to, to picking it up, turning a page and writing something down. Where do you start? What are you feeling? How long is it going to take? Where's the commitment? And often we think just by having them by our bedside, that's enough. But when you do write the first word down, longhand, you know, in your natural hand of journaling, your whole world changes. Can you, can you expand on what I'm saying? I can, do you know? It makes a big difference. I never used to do much journaling until I probably started a few years ago. And it's exactly what you said. I started just doing small things, just kind of jotting down small thoughts. If I was worried about something, I would just note it down. And I felt like it it almost got it out of my head a bit and gave me a bit of perspective. Because yeah. I think when you've got a lot of you know, worries or negative thinking or anything going around in your head like that, it can feel quite big um, and quite overwhelming. And I think as soon as I write it down, it it just gives me some perspective and it just it allows you that time to reflect a bit as well on on what you really think and what you really do feel. And the science behind journaling, we've been promising to, teasing the fact we're going to talk about this over the last couple of weeks, there is a science behind journaling and it is simply that if you write something down, it makes it more likely to happen. And you could say this is woo-woo, but here's how it's not woo-woo. So we take in, apparently millions and millions it might be even a billion fragments of information per second that we're not aware of and if you write something down and you give it oxygen or you put it out there for you to to then be able to reflect on because it's in front of you now and it's not self-talk it's not the voice in your head talking to you you're looking at it if you look at it it then registers from the outside back in as opposed to the inside back in and therefore, subconsciously, you just fed it into your supercomputer, which it wasn't in before. It's got to come out for you to feed it back in again. And once it goes back into your supercomputer, without realising it, you're looking for signs of life and from all these millions and millions of fragments of information per minute, billions a minute. And as, as, you, as you register something that might be helpful, you'll put that into, a, into the potential sh- solution, the, your natural algorithm for the potential solution part of your subconscious supercomputer. And that's, that's sort of the gist, that's the sort of bluffer's guide to how manifestation works. Have you, have you experienced that at all? I have. I mean, I've read quite a bit about that. But just from a personal point of view, with, with the Kindness Journal, one of the first things that I... Um, wrote down in it there's a there's a section in it called creating a screen time pledge and I've found you know particularly during lockdown I am spending far too much time on a screen and which is you know it's fine when it's when it's working when it's just mindless scrolling that's when I don't like it especially if it means that you know my children are speaking to me and I'm looking at a phone I I, I don't think that's kind I think one of the kindest things you can do for people is to give them your full attention and I I've been really lacking at doing that so one of the first things I did in this journal was fill out the screen time pledge which is writing down how I want to use screen time more consciously and the way I want to use I'm not you know I'm not going to be unrealistic and say I'm never going to look at my phone and I'm never going to use a screen it's about trying to use it in a way that 
that helps my well-being, I guess, and helps people around me. And I noticed that since I since I've written that down, I'm still not perfect at it, but I'm definitely more conscious. And also my children are more conscious. So they pull me up on it now if I'm, if I'm not um, doing what I said I was going to do. So I think you're right. Just having that written down and having that in my brain that it's something that I've chosen to do makes me much more likely to do it. I'll spread the word for your book. You spread the word for our show and we'll call it quits. Thank you, Chris. Cheers, Jamie Thurston. 52 Lives, The Kindness Journal, Little Activities to Make a Big Difference. A lovely little book that will get you a little key in the door to the world and the wonder of journaling. And it's not keeping a diary. It's completely different from keeping a diary. It's not that. It's writing your own playbook, your own handbook for your own life. Reflection and projection. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. 31 marathons and 31 stand-up gigs in 31 countries in 31 days. It sounds impossible, but our next guest begs to differ. Her astonishing A Run for Hope challenge is almost done. So joining us now, coursing with enough lactic acid to fill a swimming pool, is the remarkable Eddie Izzard. Morning, Eddie. Good morning, Chris. What the heck is going on with you, my friend? Well, you know, I, people probably know I've done some of these before, but we, you have to up the ante. So that it's the gigs <laughs> at the end of the marathons, which is proving tricky. I do actually fall asleep up to about 10 times, just for a split second. I'm in the middle of a line and I'll just go. The body will power down, you know, a bit like your car running out of yeah. petrol or your, 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 your phone just giving up. So um, yeah. it, I run out of thing in the middle of the line and I wake up saying the wrong things or bizarre things. So yeah, there's, there's micro dosing, which is a thing. And there's micro dosing, which is also a thing, you know, and they say it's sleep gurus say that getting that tied behind the wheel of a car is as dangerous as driving under the influence or texting whilst you're driving. So for people who don't know what you're doing, Eddie, let's just let's get, you know, previously on Eddie Izzard on this show. Off you go. Yeah, well, I decided in the month of January and it's very tough and it's a covid time and whatever but i thought let's let's do this challenge of running marathons and normally i might run in different places different cities um but it's covid so you have to win lockdown and along with my event manager sarah we we just stay in a bubble and run at riverside studios marathon after marathon day after day on a treadmill but celebrate a different city each time so i've now run 28 of these marathons and done 28 gigs afterwards when i finish the gig and half past six, I do a, uh, an actual stand-up gig at seven o'clock till eight o'clock, an hour of stand-up, which has been tough, which has been in French and German as well as English. So okay. it's been tough. Uh, and you've been employing um, the services or deploying the services of various friends uh, and people who you know and who are willing to come and help you, A, to keep you company on the treadmill, B, to try and keep you awake during gigs. What was t- how was Tim Peake's performance where that was concerned? That was great. Tim Peake, um, of course, a British astronaut up on the International Space Station. I, I actually talked to him when I was running South Africa, and he phoned me from the space station, which is a beautifully crazy thing to do. Um, and he was there, and we talked about everything, about encouraging uh, boys and girls if they want to become astronauts and what he went through in his life. Because I talked to him for about an hour. He stayed on the phone line until I crossed the finish line. And uh, so, yeah, it's great talking to him. He's, very, he's a very personable, chatty guy, and he can explain his life. And I was explaining mine as well back to him. <laughs> okay, what's interesting is the fact that you are falling asleep during the gigs, but you're not falling asleep during the running. And of course, the gigs is more of a mental thing than a physical thing. And that itself says so much. Yeah, it's physical energy. Obviously, your brain is the, is the button that says, come on, keep going, keep going. But it's that physical energy that drains out of you. And I think I only charge up to about 5% battery every night. So I'm starting with about 5%, not 100 but but just five and then you just eke out the five percent down till the end and then you do the gig and then right at the end of the gig 
my brain is saying, come on, go to bed. I'm like, no, I'm talking to people. And that's a, a live stream gig that people can buy tickets at eddieisup.com and they can donate there, but they can, they can buy the tickets and they can watch from anywhere in the world. As I've been watching for over 50 different countries people have been tuning in from. I mean, you are, you are completely crazy. You're away with the fairies for all the right reasons, um, Eddie. So well done there. But I have a question I need to ask you. Are you fed up of, of being on the planet? And is this your way of doing away with yourself? Because what you're about to announce is, is verging on ridiculous and maybe inadvisable. So first of all, say what it is. Um, tell us about your thought process before deciding on doing what you're about to announce on Sunday. Okay, well, the last day, so, so uh, this is the 29th marathon, 29th day today, which will be for Osaka in Japan. And then we're going to run one for Kigali in uh, Rwanda uh, on, on the Saturday. On the Sunday, the New York marathon. So New York, America celebrate those countries. But I thought I'd put an extra marathon in there before New York just to be weird and try and encourage people to donate to the five great charities that we're doing for Make Humanity Great Again. And so I'm going to run for Aden, uh, uh, the city of Aden in the country of Yemen that has not only COVID but a civil war at the moment. And I was born in Aden. So I thought I'd do that in the morning, starting running not at 12 noon as normal, but 9 a.m. And I'm going to be running through to probably at 12 midnight so it'll, uh, and do a gig in oh. the middle. I'm going to stop and do the stand-up gig and then go back to running. How? Uh, so it'll be about... 13 hours of running. How do you do it? it, it, you, it it's, it's like you said, you've got to not even be considering the idea of throwing the towel. You've got, it's, it's not got to be on your horizons. I can prove that anyone can do it. I'm quite good at being self-motivated. You know, I did come out as trans back in 85, and that was a very difficult thing, very toxic at that time. And so if you go through that, you can sort of go through everything. But I can prove that anyone can do this. If you imagine a lockdown situation, if you imagine something horribly, you know, a terroristic thing was happening at the same time. So there were no cars, no nothing in your town, city, wherever you were. But there was medicine uh, 13 miles away from you. And you needed it for a loved one, a member of your family. You would run, walk, <laughs> crawl, stagger to get that medicine and get back and get it to your, your people. And it would not look pretty and it would be all over the place, but you'd get it done. And it's the motivation. So I can self-motivate in a, in a kind of odd way that's the unusual bit. Well, when you have that, that amount of um, not c- will, you know, inner willpower, I, I can only imagine what, what we're going to see from your head, your brain, um, once you come back down to planet Earth again. And, uh, you know, is, is there anything you would put past yourself or would, you, would you, everything be so realistic yet also, you know... Um, you know, really challenging, you'd think, well, no, I can put, I can literally put, if I put my mind to it, I can put, I can manage to pull anything off. Well, you see, I'd quite like to go to the International Space Station. Um, I was very, you know, uh, influenced by Neil Armstrong and all the, all the American astronauts and all the Russian cosmonauts as well, Yuri Gagarin, amazing stuff, both those countries did. And uh, so to go up to the International Space Station and kind of do what Tim Peake did, Kind of seems like in the back of my mind, but you know the International Space Station is only three hundred miles away. So if you actually t- you, if you if you lay supine and looked up at it and started running at it, it'd only take you fourteen marathons to get there. I realise that, but you need oxygen. You need an oxygen <laughs> tank. It's quite big. No, I know, I know. I'm just saying. That hats off to you, Eddie. I mean, good luck to you. God bless. Eddieizard.com. Thanks so much for being on the show again, and uh, good luck with everything over the next forty-eight, seventy-two hours. Thanks very much, Chris. You are more than welcome. Unbelievable. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. We have an amazing letter from an amazing head teacher to parents. To parents who, many of whom, have experienced meltdowns this week. It's just different. It's different this week. I don't know. Maybe many people have, have reached saturation point, and this particular head teacher 
palpably, obviously, was sensing this. So, we'll have a listen. Dear parents and carers, today I write to you as a mother first. This week has been tough. Week three of the lockdown, and as a parent, I have felt the strain this week. My own two children have been set an immense amount of work from their school, and I literally haven't been able to keep up with it. Between juggling my own job, my children's schoolwork, and generally surviving a pandemic, I have really felt the strain this week. Times are tough at the moment. Our mental health is taking a battering. The dark, cold and rainy, snowy weather hasn't helped, so we need to support each other and get through this together. You're probably wondering where I'm going with this. Well, my main reason for writing is to say, well done. You are surviving a pandemic. Whatever your personal circumstances, we think you're doing a great job. If your child has had lots of microwave meals, stayed up too late, played too much on the Xbox and not finished all their schoolwork, that's okay. We know our pupils are safe, loved and cared for. And that is the most important thing at the moment. We know that we've got high expectations here and we've set a lot of work each week All we ask is that you do your best. If your best is a quick 30 minutes of reading or times tables here and there, that's okay. If you want to do all the work we set, that's okay too. Please do not let schoolwork put any extra pressure on you when you're trying to hold down jobs, earn a living and keep your children safe. Everyone's circumstances are very different and we appreciate that. Finally, we may be closed to lots of pupils, but we're still here emotionally for all our families. If you need support, a chat, a virtual cuppa, a cry, we are here. Take care, stay safe, and remember, we think you are all doing amazing. Rachel, come back, it's fine. (laughs) Are you having your cry? Would you like a cuppa? (laughs) Yes, please. (laughs) Well, Mrs White, um, the head teacher at Coach Lane Primary School in Barn Oldswick in Lancashire wrote that letter and she's on the line now. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning. Wow, what a letter. Um, <laughs> what moved you to write it in the end? What was the tipping point? Um, I think the tipping point was Friday. It was um, it'd been a really hard week last week and then I took a phone call at lunchtime on Friday from a parent who was so honest with me about how she was struggling and how other parents she knew were struggling. And she just wanted to talk it through. And when I got off the phone with her, I just thought, I really need to address this because it won't just be this parent. I'm sure there'll be more. So I sat and I wrote the letter. um, And I wrote it as a mother, like I said, because I have that experience. And I wanted the parents to um, understand that. So I wrote it from the heart and sent it via email. Um, and since then, it's just absolutely gone crazy. Well, well. The, this is the kind of letter, I mean, that, that will travel. You know, it's gonna, this is going to work in every corner of the globe, this letter. <sighs> Did you rewrite it? Was the, is that the first draft? Is that, is that just naturally how it fell onto the it page? Is. It's just, I, I just wrote it as one draft. I got my verse Samantha to check it and, say, and I said, is this, and she said, is it too personal? Is it, is it OK? And she said, no, Sarah, send it. They need to hear that. It didn't scare me to send that letter, and it was, it was a natural thing to do. And um, and it's me as a person, and I think the parents here at Coach Lane know that about me. Sarah, um, it's Rachel here, speaking as, as a parent of three children at school. Your letter yeah. really 
uh, it really spoke to me and I know it will have spoken to a lot of my friends. And one of the things you talked about when you said, you know, if you can just do 30 minutes of reading with them, that's enough. Yeah. And I think what a lot of people are finding hard in this second lockdown is the, the first one, it was all new and we just thought we'll get to the summer. We're here now, it's almost a year yeah. on. And and parents are really worried that their kids are going to get left behind. What what can you say to those parents? Absolutely. And I, you know, I can completely empathise because I felt that with my own children, um, especially my daughter who, you know, does struggle a little bit with her maths and things. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this is going to create even more gaps for her. And I, like I said in my letter, all we can do is our best. You know, parents at home, they're not trained teachers. And all we can ask them to do is follow our plans, attend the live lessons and do what they can. Um, and I'd say, you know, if people are worried about their jobs and keeping up with their work, that is important as well. And it needs to be a rounded scenario and very balanced. So, that's why I said in the letter, you know, there might be bad days. There might be a day when you can only fit in a little bit of reading or a bit of timetables. And that's okay. Write that day off, get up the next day and try again. Um, and I'd say uh, one piece of advice is communicate with your school. Have, you know, have those conversations with the teachers, with the, with the head teacher. And if you're struggling, reach out and talk about it because guaranteed you won't be the only one. Do you have any spare places for pupils at your school? Because... <laughs> I've got three. I've got three places. That's it. Well, why? Why have you got any places free at your school? Mrs White from Coates Lane Primary in Barnard's Wigan Lancashire. Just before you go, I know you're really busy, Sarah. Um, if parents really are, really are struggling, say today's a really, really tough day for, for whatever reason or reasons. So if, if parents could only do one, two or three things today for their kids, as opposed to the 20 or 30 they want to do and try and do every day, what do you think the most important things are? I think it's play, play with your children, do something with them, um, exercise where you can. I mean, I know it's, it's a struggle to get out, but even if that's jumping down your living room or yep. something, um, play, exercise, and you'll laugh with them. See. Because children won't always remember what they learned during this time, but they will remember how they felt at home and how safe and secure they felt, and that's what's important. See, now, only a teacher would say that, because that's that's brilliant. That's You know, we've not had that conversation. So, you know, Tash wants to, to make sure they're up with the lessons, help, help Eli with the graphs, help Noah with his artwork, make sure the room is, is right for mm-hmm. him. And But you're from a head teacher, the number one thing you can do, parents, today is park all the academic stuff and if you can only do one thing, play with your children for half an hour. Yeah, and children learn through play, and that's what's key. You know, and, and it's about balance. So have those days and try and get the work done. But also, if you're having a bad day, it's OK to write it off and think, no, we'll start again tomorrow. Oh, Mrs White, rock and roll. Yeah. We love you, Mrs White. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget, you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.